just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The state of Utah continues to battle activists in court over abortion-related laws. This morning, the Utah Supreme Court is hearing arguments related to an injunction blocking a total abortion ban from going into effect. We won't get answers from the Supreme Court today. But what can we learn from the abortion hotlines right now? It's Tuesday, August 8th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Rachel Dyer, you are a Ph.D. candidate in counseling psychology doing your last year of clinical training at the University of Utah. You also run an after-abortion text line called Exhale Pro Voice. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about the psychology of abortion? The relationship between abortion and people's mental health or emotions is one very under-discussed. And if it is talked about at all, it's typically talked about incorrectly, where people assume that if someone has an abortion, they're going to have adverse mental health outcomes or reactions. And that is not true. It is very clear from the research evidence, from decades of research evidence, that having an abortion does not negatively affect your mental health. And in fact, if you do not have an abortion when you need one, that is the thing that negatively harms your mental health. And mental health and emotions are also two different things. So while abortions themselves do not impact your mental health, people have feelings about everything, right? We have feelings about our favorite ice cream flavor. So of course, we're going to have feelings about our abortions too. So that's where Exhale Pro Voice comes in is to talk with people about their feelings. Well, I'm curious about some of the themes Mm -hmm. in the text messages that you all receive. What are some like common messages or common through lines? So... We know that, again, from the research evidence, like three of the most common reasons that people have abortions is because they have another child or kids and they don't want having another child to interfere with their current family structure, child care, financial ability to take care of their kids. So many people don't know this, but more than half of people who have abortions, 59% of people who have abortions are already parents. So that's a huge consideration for a lot of people and comes up quite a bit on the text line. And also having a child or another child interfering with work or education or other life plans, like just adding another kiddo to your family just isn't something that's feeling like a good fit right now. Or they don't want to be a single parent or they're having difficulties in their relationship with their partner. So those being the main reasons that people end up having their abortions come with a lot of feelings and a lot of thought and consideration and care that goes into the decision to have an abortion and There's a lot of societal messages that are also put on those things, right? And that shows up as people having a lot of feelings or questions or feeling bad or guilty or confused about their abortion decisions. So maybe feeling like a bad parent because you decided to have an abortion, even though for people who are already parenting, that was a part of their decision. 
So mm. that comes up quite a bit as well. That's interesting. It almost sounds to me like what maybe is influencing people's desire to reach out is more external pressure or like external factors than internal factors related to like their own choice. Is that track? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, again, know from the research that the things that tend to impact people's emotions long term after their abortions, again, not the abortion itself, but it tends to be things like the difficulty of the decision. You know, if everything else was the same, but their relationship was better or everything else was the same, but they had more money and they would have continued the pregnancy and added a kiddo to their family. That's a very difficult thing for many people to to balance and to hold and to feel okay about potentially. Abortion stigma is also a very significant factor in people's emotional well-being. So we live in a, a society and culture that often tells us that people who have abortions are selfish and evil and murderers. And there's a lot of intense language and labels that are put on people who have abortions. And you can imagine that being immersed in that probably isn't super great for people's emotional well-being, but oftentimes it's something that they're, you know, worried about hearing from their loved ones or something that they actually do hear from their loved ones. Yeah. I mean, it's the post-abortion, the sort of potential aftermath, the talking about a decision you made six months ago, six Mm -hmm. months down the line that I think can cause anxiety for people. Yes. Well, so Exhale Pro Voice, I mean, as an organization, has been around, as I understand it, for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. But it's been just over a year now since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, a ruling that protected the constitutional right to an abortion. Mm-hmm. What have been the ebbs and flows of the text line since the Dobbs decision? I mean, even before the Dobbs decision, <laughs> there were a couple of other things that prompted people to, one, share the Exhale Pro Voice after abortion text line phone number with people and have more people reach out. One was the SB8 decision in Texas, which for folks who might not be aware, this was the decision that both limited people's access to abortion drastically compared to where it was and also put in place um, what was called referred to as like a almost like a bounty provision where people could sue or report people who had abortions or who helped other people have abortions and they they would receive financial compensation for that which was a novel approach that was taken legally it was quite scary quite troubling um texas tends to be a a bit of a canary in the coal mine when it comes to abortion legislation and so a lot of people paid attention to it and a lot more people both in texas and outside of texas reached out to us around the sba decision which was when would that have gone into effect? September of 2021. So we okay. saw a lot more folks reaching out to us then because that was that was very scary. That was very new. It pokes at a lot of the concerns that people have due to abortion stigma, which is what if someone finds out? What if I get into trouble? Yeah. Then the following spring, the Dobbs decision was leaked. And that was very concerning for a lot of people, whether they thought that Roe was actually going to be overturned or not. That was a very frightening thing to see in the news if you are, you know, someone who could potentially become pregnant and need an abortion, but also if you're someone who's had abortions already before, it's again abortion stigma showing up in the form of our our laws and our legal landscape because if you have an experience that is now suddenly illegal, that can feel very troubling and very scary for a lot of people. So we saw increased use after that, and then of course the Dobbs decision itself, our utilization 
increased by over 200 percent it's decreased a little and then increased again around the anniversary and afterward but a lot more people were sharing our phone number which was fantastic and a lot more people were texting us sharing things like you know i i haven't really felt distressed related to my abortion experiences i haven't really thought about them but this is scary and different and i worry about the other people in my life i worry about my kids i worry about my loved ones, right? So a lot of people are reaching out to us for different reasons and in more distress than they have been. Is it necessarily people always reaching out for the hotline's sort of purpose, which is post-abortion talk? Or do people sometimes reach out just for information? Because it feels like misinformation in the wake of the overturning of Roe has been a big obstacle for people as well. Like just where do we turn to get information? And oh, here's a hotline. (laughs) Let me just text them. Like, do you get questions? Absolutely. There are wonderful organizations that we partner with that provide medical information or funding for abortions, things like that. And we we all face a similar sort of challenge where people find one resource and they're just happy that they're talking to someone who's supportive and providing them with correct information and care that they, you know, will talk to an abortion fund about their feelings and that abortion fund will very kindly refer them to us. People will ask us medical questions and we will very kindly refer them to a resource like the m Hotline or the Miscarriage and Abortion Hotline, which is uh, an organization staffed by medical professionals that can provide medical information and advice, whereas we cannot. We focus on the feelings and more psychological aspect of people's experiences. So that certainly comes up quite a bit and we know that that's not uh, an experience unique to us, so we're grateful that there's so many people doing this work that are able to focus on different parts of the experience. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you wanna learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, 
Explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Exhale Pro Voice, like we've said, has been around since 2000, the, the dawn of the new millennium. Mm-hmm. Why was there a need for this work even before Roe was in jeopardy? Abortion stigma has existed in the United States for a very long time. And, you know, from a political and legal perspective and trying to protect or expand people's ability to access abortions, it's often not politically tenable for pro-abortion people to talk about the relationship between abortions and mental health, right? Because that's so often a a pro-life or anti-abortion talking point that we can't have abortions because this this harms people's mental health. We need to limit access to abortions because this is going to negatively affect people's psychological well-being. And there isn't a great pro-abortion sort of counter stance there that's like, well, we want people to be happy and thrive. And so we should support their feelings, even though abortions are fine, the stigma is terrible. So it gets very complicated. So that showed up as a lot of places that provided support for people after their abortions were anti-abortion. So they were um, very similar to if if folks who are listening have heard of crisis pregnancy centers or fake clinics. These are organizations that are often religiously affiliated that purport to provide non-judgmental, unbiased pregnancy options counseling and medical care. Typically, they're not staffed by medical professionals at all, and they're typically quite anti-abortion and want people to continue their pregnancies and use different approaches to doing that. So we saw very similar approaches being taken after abortion, where they were focusing on, you know, you must be in so much pain, you must need to heal from this experience. So sort of assuming and putting on people that they experienced harm because they had their abortion. So Exhale was developed in order to fill that that gap that was left in the more abortion positive and supportive of abortion space that still held room for feelings, but wasn't going to assume that people were were suffering. So there just literally wasn't a space as far as we know until Exhale Pro Voice was created. Wow. Well, Exhale Pro Voice is a volunteer-run text line. Where do you recruit most of your volunteers and how do you train them up quickly to be equipped for this work? Typically, a, a lot of folks find us because they used Exhale services themselves. So a lot of our text line counselors are people with their own personal abortion experiences. That's something that they would never talk about on the text line. That's a very clear line that we draw when people ask. But a lot of Mm -hmm. people want to be able to give back and provide the support that either they really benefited from when they reached out to Exhale Pro Voice or that they wish they had because maybe they didn't find Exhale Pro Voice when they needed it or maybe they didn't experience a lot of support from their, their loved ones. So one of my dear friends from when I was younger. She is a text line counselor currently, and she wanted to volunteer and be trained as an exhale text line counselor because she wished that she had been able to better support me because I had my abortion when I was in high school. And she, as a fellow high school student, obviously wasn't very well equipped to support her friend through what was a a very big and very stigmatizing experience. And so she wanted to be able to now give back to other people who are maybe going through something similar. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, like, would you be willing to share an example, like role play or scenario that you might use in training? Okay. So an example, a texter reaches out and says that they have had a medication abortion three weeks ago. 
The texter wanted to have the baby and feels that abortion is wrong. She felt close to the baby and loved it, but now feels empty. She has a hard time seeing other pregnant people. Her mother is on welfare and wanted her to have the abortion. Without support, the texter didn't feel that they could go through with the pregnancy. The texter is now very mad at their boyfriend. He's not showing that he cares and is rarely around. Wow. I mean, as someone who is not a trained social worker, if that was a message that I received in this volunteer role, I would personally feel overwhelmed. Like, how do you advise someone to counsel on that? Especially when they they don't have a master's in social work necessarily. We do a deeper dive in some of the research that I've been mentioning here. And we also train them in different, like basic peer counseling skills. So asking effective questions and reflecting people's emotions and the content of what they're saying. And we support our, our text line counselors in really reflecting on and contending with their own values and biases because we've all been, you know, immersed in the the abortion stigma culture of the United States and of Canada and elsewhere. And so we also need to sort of look inward and pay attention to where where our biases are. For example, people think about finances when it comes to making pregnancy decisions. So there might be someone who agrees with the mom that says like, of course, this person should have had an abortion. It sounds like they wouldn't be able to afford to um, and it's not clear if this person is already parenting, but become a parent or, or parent another child. So that would be a bias that we would want to sort of like contend with and pay attention to so that we can support this person who wanted to have this baby, but maybe wasn't able to because of their financial circumstances, rather than thinking like, well, this was a good decision. And I want to make sure that this person understands that this was a good decision. So it's a little a little nuanced, but we want to make sure that we're aware of our stuff so that we can effectively hold other people's stories and feelings without our stuff getting in the way. Well, you're practicing psychology and reproductive health care now in Salt Lake City, but Mm -hmm. you're not originally from Utah. Correct. And there's a lot about this state that's unique, or I guess anyone would say that about their state, that it's unique. (laughs) But I'm curious how landing in Utah may have challenged some of your learning around this issue or maybe challenged some of your assumptions around this issue? I mean, I think something that I continue to reflect on, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a different place with this now than I was when I first started doing this work. But I think when we talk about people who have abortions, so the statistic is one in four women will have an abortion during her reproductive years. But I think sometimes people hear that figure and they think, oh, one in four non-religious women or one in four democratic women. There's a certain kind of person that folks often picture when they think of someone who has had an abortion. And that's not true. People of all different religious beliefs and faiths have abortions. People of all different political affiliations have abortions. So I think coming into Utah, which I'm from Wisconsin originally, which has, you know, a a very different set of religious demographics, set of political demographics. Like, I think coming into Utah, I had to remind myself that there are still people here who are having abortions, even though maybe culturally and, and loudly, that's not necessarily the story that we are hearing. So I think that's something that I've needed to continue continue reflecting on as a person that isn't isn't religious myself. And especially in the work that Exhale Pro Voice does, you know, if someone is religious and is from a faith community that does not support abortions, think about how isolating and shameful that might feel for that person 
whose main source of support is that faith community and they have had an abortion. So we like that is it's important that we exhale exists so that we can hold space for folks like that. Yeah. I mean, religious isolation is such a big theme for a lot of Utahns, whether they're transplants here or born and raised here, Mm -hmm. just because it's part of our dominant culture. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, I mean, you're in the practice of psychology right now and the study of, Mm -hmm. do you think psychologists get appropriate or adequate training to contend with religion in their work? No, no, not at all. (laughs) Absolutely not. I actually think you know, part of the reason that I wanted to continue doing my training in in Utah specifically is because there's a much more apparent religious presence relative to other places. It tends to be very specific to LDS Church, of course, but I'm racking my brain quickly. Don't think I've ever received any specific training around bringing in people's specific faiths into my clinical work, ever. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. despite... It just broadly in the U.S., most people having some sort of faith belief, whether that's like, you know, vaguely spiritual and believing in a higher power or something more specific, it is a, a part of people's holistic well-being. Rachel Dyer, Executive Director of Exhale Pro Voice, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Allie. I appreciate it. The legal battle over abortion is increasingly confusing and stressful, but here is what you need to know right now. You can still get an abortion up to 18 weeks of pregnancy in Utah. Utah has, in fact, the fourth highest birth rate in the nation, which is why I think a lot of Utah parents will find this news from the Food and Drug Administration rather heartening. For the first time ever, there is a pill for postpartum depression. It's called Zuranolone. The development of a prescription finally acknowledges the severity of the condition, which afflicts 43% of Utah moms. That's one of the reasons Governor Cox declared February Maternal Mental Health Month in our state. And the Utah legislature recently passed a law expanding Medicaid coverage to include postpartum care from 60 days after birth to now 12 months after birth. Clinical trials show that this new postpartum pill works pretty quickly, say that three times fast, faster than most antidepressants, in fact. And it only needs to be taken for two weeks after birth. Mental health experts are pleased and so am I. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.